Well, good morning, church. Again, thank you so much for uh, your graciousness towards Jennifer and I and the kids uh, letting us be gone for the last two weeks. Um, now we're going to uh, dismiss our kids to Children's Church, so if you'd like to go on to Children's Church, uh, feel, feel free to do so. Ms. Angie is standing right back there at the door, um, and there it is. Well, church, how many of you walked in here this morning with a perfect life? Go ahead and raise your hand. No? None of you? How many of you walked in here today and everything may not be perfect, but you can say life is pretty dang good right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to embarrass him because he won't mind. Ezra just shot his hand up like, bam! <laughs> yeah, <I'm, laughs> that's funny. Yeah, so this morning, we're going to talk about the topic of peace. Now, I know um, every single one of us that walked in here this morning, if, if we were truly to be reflective on what's going on in our lives, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us could say, you know, there's not peace maybe in my mind or in my heart this morning, right? And so I know that when we come to the topic of peace, it can be sort of um, flippant or almost something that we are reaching for that we can't really grasp. But this morning, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 4. This would be the last verse, Psalm 4.8 is what Vicki read this morning when we started our service um, for Advent. But we're going to look at the entirety and the context of Psalm chapter 4. And when we walk away from this time together in the Word this morning, there's two things I want you to take away. Number one, peace is not an emotion. Peace is not something that you fall into and you fall out of. Peace is a state of being. It is a state of tranquility. It's a state of calm. It's a state of inner quietness. It's a state of contentment. Again, peace is not an emotion. It is a state of being. And number two, peace ultimately comes from the hand of God through Jesus Christ. Peace is a person. Peace is a state of being, but that state of being comes through the personhood of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we look at Psalm chapter 4, I'm going to give you the context of Psalm chapter 4. And if you think that your family is messed up, you just wait till we begin discussing what's going on here. And if you think your circumstances are rough, wait till we get to this. But ultimately, what we want to take away this morning is that peace surpasses all understanding regardless of circumstances because peace is not an emotion, it's a state of being and peace ultimately comes through Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, let's dive into Psalm chapter four. We're gonna read the entire Psalm this morning and here's what David writes. He says, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts, on your own beds, and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. 
There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now that psalm, when you, when you first read it, can, can look like it's a little disjointed. Right? It can look like David was kind of jumping from thing to thing. But here's what I want you to hear. When David cries out in verse 1, he says, Answer me, O God. Please hear me. That's not David speaking to God like a child who's stomping his foot and demanding something from God. Rather, that's David. I want you to imagine him on his knees crying out to the one and the only one who can hear him and answer him. And he's saying, God, I need you to hear me today. God, I need you to answer me. I need you to show me your face. God, I am in a place where I need to hear from you and from you alone. God, you, you've answered me before. You've heard my cries before. God, I need you to hear me again. That's the attitude that this psalm takes. <clears throat> and then David's going to go on to talk about his enemies. And he's going to ask them some questions. Why do you believe the lies? Why are you trying to tear me down? Why are you... Why are you turning my, my kingship, my honor into shame? He says, but, but know that the Lord has set me up as king, and it's him I trust. And then David's going to talk to himself. And he says, be angry, but don't sin. Right? Ponder in your own hearts. This is verse 4. And you're on your beds. And, and offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. And then he goes back to talk about the Lord, and he's thanking the Lord, and he's saying, God, you, verse, verse 7, he says, you have put more joy in my heart than my enemies have wine and grain when their harvest is at its best. God, you have put more within me, more joy in me than the material possessions that they have. Therefore, verse 8, in peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Why did David feel the need to cry out to God, to address his enemies, to speak to himself, and to ultimately come to a place where he says, I can have perfect peace because it's the Lord who keeps me safe? Well, if you want to read one of the most messed up stories of family, I would encourage you to go back and start reading in 2 Samuel chapter 11. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, all the way to 18. And what you're going to find, starting in, in 2 Samuel 11, is you find David's sin with Bathsheba. Okay, that's when David should have been at war, but he wasn't. And then he sees Bathsheba and he takes her to be his own. And then because Uriah won't engage with his wife and, and thus be able to pass off this pregnancy as, as theirs in their marriage, David has Uriah killed. And then it's 2 Samuel chapter 12 when the prophet Nathan comes to David and he says, how dare you? You are king. You could have had any person you ever wanted, but you took this woman and you had her husband killed. And David, and then we have Psalm 51, where David cries out to forgiveness, for forgiveness from the Lord, and the Lord grants him forgiveness. And you also see that in 2 Samuel. And so David, in his sin, is forgiven, but what Nathan the prophet tells him is that, David, that same spirit that you had, that same um, fighting, vengeful, murderous spirit, is never going to leave your house. 
the sword will not depart from your home. And the child that Bathsheba conceived is, is going to die. Okay. Then we get on in to the story of David's son, Amnon. David had a son whose name was Amnon. He was a pretty twisted individual. And, and what you find is that David also had a daughter. Her name was Tamar. Tamar and, and Amnon were half-siblings. Same father, different mother. David had a multitude of wives. That was also a sin. Um, that was also a problem. And because of David's sin, he had multiple children by multiple wives and created multiple facets of family drama. Amnon becomes infatuated with his half-sister, lustful towards her, and he devises this plan in which he pretends to be sick. And he says, oh, the only thing that will make me feel better is if my sister Tamar comes in and, and she cooks me a meal and she brings it to me as I'm lying on my bed sick. So Tamar does. She cooks a meal. She takes it to him. And, and while they're alone, he forcefully takes advantage of her, his half-sister. Then, after he has his way with her, and then he's disgusted by her, and he tries to send her away, and she says, no, that's wrong. And he doesn't care. And so Tamar's biological brother, his name is Absalom, also Amnon's half-brother. Absalom becomes infuriated by this, and to avenge his sister's honor, to avenge this act of violence and, and terror that's been committed against her, he kills his half-brother, Amnon. And after he kills him, he flees the city. And Amnon's gone for about two years. When Amnon, I'm sorry, when Absalom returns to the city of Jerusalem, he begins to endear himself to the people of the kingdom. So as people in the kingdom would come to David to have David settle their squabbles or their, to judge between their problems or their situations, Absalom would stand by the road, and as people were coming into to the kingdom, as they were coming into Jerusalem, he would say, oh, if there was just someone here that could, that could solve your problems, the king can't do it. There's no one here in this kingdom that can solve your problems. If I were king, I could take care of your problems. And so he does this time and time again. And what he's doing is sowing the seeds of insurrection. And he is taking the hearts of the people of the kingdom of God and he's turning them against their king. Putting himself up as the only one that can save them. Through some more lies and, and manipulation and, and through some more filth, Absalom gains himself an army. And he actually rides into Jerusalem in order to overthrow his father's government, King David. Ultimately knowing that the only way he's going to become king is if his father is dead. Ultimately, he's trying to kill his father. And to further sort of make this a disgusting story, David takes his family and he takes his, his soldiers and, and they flee the city because they're caught off guard. So they flee. David leaves 10 of his concubines in the palace. And so Absalom takes it upon himself to demonstrate just how powerful he is. And he takes David's concubines. They go to the top of the palace and they involve themselves in fornication. 
for all the people to see. And so Absalom has set himself up as, as king in Jerusalem. You still think your family's messed up? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, I appreciate the honesty of Scripture. Because we can come in here on a Sunday morning and we can pretend like everything's okay, but more likely than not, we're carrying weights that we don't want people to know. And so the honesty of Scripture tells us that it's okay to not be okay. And so King David, while fleeing for his life with his army, with his family, he pins these words that we just read in Psalm chapter 4. And David, what strikes me in these passages is things like verse 4 when he says, don't be angry. Don't be angry. Everything within the human body would want to be angry in that moment and would want to lash out. How dare this, this child of mine think that they can do this? How dare this? But David reminds himself, don't, don't be angry. Don't sin. Be at peace. Offer your sacrifices. Trust in the Lord. He's okay. And then we get to verse 8, and David says, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Mind you, David is literally running for his life at this moment. So remember what I told you at the beginning, that peace is not an emotion. It's not something you fall into and fall out of. It's not something that you chase after. It's not something that... It's not something that comes and goes. Peace is a state of being. So David had the ability, regardless of his circumstances, to be at peace. That is to be at a state of inner tranquility. To be at a state of quietness in his heart and in his soul. To be content with his circumstances. Why? Well, notice he says, because you, O Lord. David was able to have peace regardless of his circumstances because peace is not determined by circumstances peace is determined by the lord peace is a person so again i don't know what you're walking through this morning right i don't know what's going on in your family i don't know what's going on in your extended family unless you've told me i i don't know what what you're dealing with in in the deep recesses of your mind and in your heart your mind could be running a million miles an hour right now trying to think through plans A, B, and C for whatever problems are going on in your life right now. But I'm here to tell you that when we come to this Christmas season, we are celebrating peace. What is peace? It is tranquility of the heart and the mind, regardless of what's going on in the world around us, regardless of what's going on in our hearts and our minds. We have the ability through the Lord to have peace. And you say, yeah, but, but Chris, David was running for his life. Yeah, he was. He was. And do you know that when you continue to read that story in 2 Samuel, that you find that David, in all of his running for his life and, and trying to avoid his son who's trying to kill him, David tells his, his men, his army, he says, if you find my son, you do not harm him. What? 
You see, David, going back to Bathsheba, right? David created every problem that was currently going on in his life. It was because of his sin, his pride, in which he was not content with the wife of his youth, that he was then running after all these women, having all these children. He created the problem. But even in the midst of creating the problem, there was forgiveness. Psalm 51. And, and the prophet Nathan tells him, you are forgiven. Because David had received forgiveness from the Lord, because David's slate had been wiped clean before God Almighty, because David had experienced the peace and the grace that came from the Lord, he could then extend that peace and that grace even to his son. The, the long story is summed up in chapter 18 of 2 Samuel, in which Absalom was killed. Matter of fact, his hair caught on a branch as he was trying to escape, and he basically hung himself. So because of the peace that David had experienced from the Lord, he was able to extend that peace regardless of what was going on. That same peace is available to us this morning. Why? Because the Lord, which is where David's peace came from, is still sitting enthroned above. And we come here this morning... We celebrate the season of Advent. We celebrate peace, as that banner says. What we're celebrating is that peace came to earth in the form of a person. Isaiah chapter 9, when Isaiah um, is speaking about the Messiah that is to come, one of the titles is he talks about is he is the Prince of Peace. And the reign of his peace will never end. Peace is a person. That through Jesus Christ coming from the Lord to the earth, the point and the reason for the birth of Christ was so that he himself could usher in a kingdom of peace. Then we go on in, Psalm, in Isaiah 53 when talking about the crucifixion of the Lord and, and talking about how this peace was going to come about. We, we encounter Again, Isaiah 53, I would encourage you to read it. And part of that says, on him was laid our sins. The punishment that he endured, the chastisement of Jesus is what brings us peace. So we are able here in 2022 in Chillicothe, Missouri to come in here. And guys, let's be honest. Just like David, a lot of the problems that we experience in our life are because we did it, right? We sinned. And maybe it wasn't your sin. Maybe it was someone else's sin. But the reason that problems exist is because of sin. Sin has touched every part of our lives. It's the reason that we deal with death and sickness. It's the reason that we have financial problems. It's the reason that we have a, a nation of political problems. And it's the reason that we even have problems relationally with families and, and friends and workplaces and misunderstandings, all of those things are a result of sin. But praise be to God that what we celebrate the Christmas season is that the Prince of Peace has come and that there is the ability to have a state of tranquility and contentment. There is a place to have an inner quietness and stillness of heart because ultimately sin was taken care of by Jesus Christ. So again, peace is available because Jesus reigns enthroned above 
seated at the right hand of the Father. Just like David says, I will lay my head down in peace because the Lord. The Lord. Not because of anything else, but because of the Lord and what he has done. I would encourage you also, if you are looking for a verse to memorize this morning, I would encourage you to, to memorize Romans chapter 5, verse 1. And here's what Romans 5, 1 says. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That baby that Isaiah talked about all those hundreds of years before Jesus would be born, that, that one who would come that would usher in a kingdom of peace, that one who would then go to the cross to take upon himself the punishment of sin so that you and I could have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified, I want you to imagine, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been in a courtroom or you've committed a crime, but I want you to think of that you have. Think of the most heinous crime that you can. You committed that, you know you're guilty. But yet when you go to stand before the judge, the judge looks at you and says, your debt to society has been paid. You are innocent. That is the idea of justification. That you, even though you are guilty, have been made innocent. And you've been made innocent through Jesus Christ. The offer to be at peace with God comes through having faith in Jesus Christ. That means that you believe that Jesus Christ came to earth as a baby. That he lived his life to be the sinless sacrifice on the cross in which he took the punishment of our sin. He then was resurrected to show his power over death and the grave. And that currently he is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now. By believing in Jesus, you are declared innocent regardless of what sin you have committed. And by being declared innocent, you have peace with the holiness of God. So just as David looked forward to this Messiah who would come, who would, who would take upon himself the punishment for his sin, and that is how David had faith. He was looking forward to the coming of Christ. He knew that the Lord was still sitting on his throne, and God had a plan, and because God had a plan, David could put his head down regardless of who was trying to kill him, and he could take a nap. Because peace is a state of being. But as a state of being, peace comes through a person. Merry Christmas. That's what we celebrate on Christmas Day. Is that peace is here. That peace between God and man could be settled once and for all. Merry Christmas. We celebrate Jesus. And that peace that comes through Jesus is still available even today. And you may be the one just like David who's created a bunch of problems. Peace is still available. Your sin can never outweigh the grace and the mercy of God. So how is it that we can come in here this morning with whatever's going on in our lives and, and we can sit here in this place and we can worship God? It's because Jesus. Merry Christmas, church. Merry Christmas. Peace has been made for us through Jesus. And that peace that we experience, we can now pour out to those around us.
Again, peace is not an emotion. Peace is a state of being. It's a state of stillness. It's a state of contentment. It's a state that you believe that God is on his throne and he knows what he's doing. And we can trust him even when we mess up. But peace comes through a person. And that's Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the one who comes to usher in a kingdom of peace. And through faith in Jesus, every single person in this room has the ability to stand at peace with God. So it is my prayer that you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning. It is my prayer that you understand and you come to a place where you realize that you have been trying your own way and it ain't working. And you just keep digging that hole deeper and deeper. And it doesn't matter how much you try, you're always going to be at odds with the God of the universe because he is holy. But Jesus cleans you, cleanses you, saves you. And all you have to do is believe in him. And out of that relationship comes the ability to say, it doesn't matter what hardship or problem is coming my way. It doesn't matter what hard time I have to walk through because this earth and this world has been touched by sin. I can believe that Jesus offers peace. And that ability to live a life of stillness of heart, stillness of mind, stillness of thought, stillness of emotion is available right now through Jesus. So church, let's pray together. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning thanking you for this opportunity to be here in this word. God, I thank you for the honesty, the brutal honesty of Second Samuel that leads us to understand that circumstances, even when we create them and mess them up ourselves, circumstances do not determine peace of our hearts. God, that ultimately that comes from you through Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you would move in a mighty and powerful way. That you would encourage hearts. That God, whatever the struggle is that someone is walking through this morning, God, you would be the peace that transcends those thoughts and those emotions. That your peace would take captive the parts and the minds of every single one of us. And maybe it's not something bad, God. Maybe it's just the busyness of life where we have where we have just let our minds run wild on all the things that we have to do. God, may you slow us down. Give us peace to understand that you are on your throne and that, God, your salvation is just as real today as it was in the time of David. And, God, through, through Christ, through a relationship with Christ, that we have the ability to be at peace regardless of what's going on around us. And, Father, I pray that if there is someone in this room that needs to surrender their heart to you this morning, to believe in Jesus, God, I pray that you would do that work this morning so that today can be the day of their salvation and they can experience this peace that we're talking about and this tranquility that we're talking about. And Father, I also thank you for Jesus. Just the ability to celebrate, to focus on in this season the life of Christ in which we celebrate this time in which, God, you look down to us, mere humanity, and you gave salvation to us. God, I thank you that, that Christ would take upon himself the punishment and all the punishment so that we could experience the joy and the peace that come directly from your throne room. 
So, Father, we lift all of this up to you and ask that you would do the work in this time. And, Father, we pray this in Christ's name.